0: Well, hi everyone, Uh, welcome to uh, IQmetric's podcast. Uh, Interesting people, interesting stories. Uh, This time we have with us Kyle McDavid. Uh, Very excited to be meeting Kyle uh, for the first time. Uh, Kyle is a music, theater, and graphic design educator. Uh, He's also a founder and core artistic director of Best Kind Productions based in St. John's, Newfoundland. St. John's, awesome. (laughs) He has directed and performed in theater productions in Newfoundland, New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, and Ontario, and is an alumnus of Up With People. Uh, he's toured throughout North America and Europe with the production Rhodes of in 1999 and 2000. is also a freelance graphic designer, a two-time nominee for Educator of the Year and Graphic Designer of the Year Award. He is also a writer and composer of original musicals, No Small Feet and Prosperio, and a multiple other, uh, other musicals. Very excited to have Kyle with us, and uh, we're just gonna jump in now with, uh, with meeting Kyle. So welcome, Kyle, uh, an impressive background uh, in, uh, in the things that you've been involved with. I've heard that Impressario was amazing. What was it like to create something out of nothing like that? How was the creative process that you followed yeah. to be able to do that? Uh,
1: well, it's the first musical I've, uh, the first musical I ever created. Um, when it started, it sort of started as just this germ of an idea um, and I started writing with the full intention that it may never see the light of day. It might it might be a stack of paper on my bookshelf that I would be proud of, and, then, and that would be it. Um, basically, it's the story of a man named John Murray Anderson, who lived in the late 1800s, early 1900s, uh, in St. John, or sorry, was born in St. John's, Newfoundland. Uh, he went on eventually to live in New York City and um, produce and direct big, huge Broadway reviews. Um, same, the same thing that Florence Ziegfeld did, the Ziegfeld Follies, of course, are the famous, his famous work. Um, and Anderson basically was like second to Ziegfeld. So I read, um, I read some article in, about this man in this book about Newfoundland, famous Newfoundland people. Um, Read his bio and and couldn't believe that he's not talked about here in Saint John's. Like no one knew about him. Um, I've I'm from New Brunswick originally, but I've been here ten years and very into the the theater and arts community and had never heard of this man. So the more I started digging and looking into him, and I found old newspaper articles about him. Um, his body of work is incredible, and I I felt this, first I was like, someone should write a musical about this guy. <laughs>
0: um,
1: and then realized maybe nobody knows about this and maybe that's what I should do. I had toyed with the idea of writing for years, but never had the, I don't know, the, the nerve to, to try, um, let alone a musical. <laughs> but uh, I just started tinkering at it totally in private. I didn't even tell my fiance at the time uh, that I was doing it for a few, the first few weeks or month. Uh, and eventually, you know, realized I might have something here. So I showed her and then I showed my friend Tim Matson, who's my like producing partner with Best Kind Productions. Eventually um, he convinced me that maybe we should do a reading. So we did a public reading of it in uh, uh, 2015 in a very small little intimate space with about 50 people, uh, where we just read the script and sang through the songs. Anyway, eventually um, we did a workshop production, which was basically a step above the reading, but not quite a full production. So very minimal costumes. The actors still had scripts in their hands, um, but it was on its feet and staged a bit. And then we uh, went ahead and Pulled off the full production in two thousand seventeen um, and yeah, my friend Jackie Foster, who works at i q metrics and her husband came and visited and saw the show. It was really nice to see them and um yeah, so it was a it was a big success, and still surreal that it that it even happened <laughs> why 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 are you shocked that it was a success <laughs> I guess not shocked just um when something lives in your head and on paper for literally years. It's hard to imagine, or I guess you just question whether it's other people will like it as much as you think it as, or think that it's as worthy as you think it is, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, Sort of like, I guess the imposter syndrome that we all all hear about. Um, I think every artist, regardless of the medium has felt that at one time or another. Um, you sort of question, it's just such a vulnerable thing to put something you wrote or something you're singing or playing out into the world. You always have that little voice in your head that's like wondering if this is like, who, who are you to be doing this? (laughs) Walk us through the range of emotions you felt on opening night, Hmm. what was that like? Um, I told my, my friends, well, friends that were in the cast, some of them had also written plays in the past or shows. And I asked them, one of my friends, Phil, during rehearsal, I pulled him aside. I was like, so you know that like that butterfly feeling in your stomach? It's like a lump in your throat and all through rehearsals. Does that ever go away? And he said, (laughs) no, it doesn't. Even after closing night. (laughs) So it's a a mix of just like terror, a little bit of terror. And but also such pride uh, um, to see something that you created and words you put down and notes you composed come to light. It's very surreal hmm. to see people singing those songs that didn't exist except in your head for so long.
0: <laughs> when When did you know was there, and maybe this is a bit of an unfair question because there isn't always a specific moment when you know something has been successful or not, but when did When did you realize that you were, oh, wow, I've really created something that is meaningful and matters.
1: I think that first reading we did in 2015, um, even though it was a small audience, we, uh, some people were in the audience that I really respected and looked up to other directors in town and uh, actors and performers, along with family and friends. And, um, At the end of that, a lot of them came up to me and, and said really kind, complimentary things. Um, so that sort of gave me the motivation to be, to say, I might be onto something. Maybe I should continue with this process. Um, and then all the way up to the show, the full production in 2017, um, it it was, I'm, I'm, humble to a fault, I think sometimes, but at the end of the, the show, so I played piano in, in the pit band and also had a few lines. I was sort of just hidden off to the side. The whole cast did their bow and they left and then all of a sudden the whole audience, oh, we might have an unstable connection. Nope, sorry. Um, no. The whole audience jumped up to their feet and started, ch- well, I mean, they were a lot of friends of mine and family, but they started chanting my name and I wasn't planning to take a bow, but I did. It was, it was like one of those moments in your life you'll never forget. So it was okay. wild. Pretty that
0: cool. But that's crazy, isn't it? So it is, So yeah. When, when you're going through the creative process of, of creating this musical, mm-hmm. um, how much did you use John Anderson, correct? John
1: Murray Anderson, yeah.
0: Yeah. How much did you draw on what you've learned about him
1: mm-hmm.
0: to incorporate what you did in creating the musical.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, I was I was um, cognizant of that the whole time. Uh, he has a, a biography or a memoir that he and his brother, Hugh, um, wrote together a year or two before, uh, I was a year before he passed away because the final chapter is written by his brother afterwards. Um, so yeah, I read through that, all the newspaper articles I found, and sort of, uh, he's done, he did so much that I had to sort of pick and choose what was going to be represented in this show, um, so it's pretty accurate to the timeline of his career. Um, but of course, I took some artistic freedom, and you know, if he mentioned he me- he mentioned some character or friend in his life um, that was really interesting, and it was just a passing sentence in the book, but the character was so rich for theater, I. Grabbed onto it and enhanced that a little bit. Uh, he had, for example, um, once he made it really big, he had a housekeeper in his fancy New York apartment, and it was sort of implied in the book. I could get the sense that she had a crush on him or something. So I really played that up and made the mate, <laughs> made that character. I called her, or no, her name was Mary. I turned her into a big comedic, lustful, you know, character. <laughs> so that was fun. Yeah. And the musically, the whole show, um, it's, it's all original music, except I did put one song that he wrote the lyrics to, uh, it's called in the spring, a young man's fancy. And it's this beautiful old, you know, Tin Pan Alley ballad that, uh, I found a way to work into the, into the show. Um, yeah. It, uh, um,
0: it's interesting to me how you've you stumbled across uh, an individual in the past with amazing success, mm-hmm. and and how many people just sort of disappear from our from our history.
1: Yeah, I know uh, it's fascinating to think. Uh, I think of, of that in the same way I think of. I did a classical music degree, so you know, music history is loaded with old white men of course Mm -hmm. and it makes me think of all the women There, they were probably incredible female artists back in those days that no one knows about no one you know nothing was written down or kept so it's amazing to think what what existed out there that we don't know about
0: (laughs) it it would be you know there's nothing new under the sun i'm told but (laughs) But it's a recreation of what has been done before. was yeah. be so fascinating. Yeah, definitely. How did you, how did you find yourself moving into interest in the arts for, for a livelihood?
1: Um, after high school, I did a graphic design program, uh, in community college, which I loved. Uh, and during that time, while I was there, this uh, group based in uh, Colorado called Up With People, who our friend Jackie has heard of. Um, They traveled through uh, the town in Woodstock, New Brunswick where I was. I went to see the show and then, and was just enamored with it. Um, I've always, like looking back on my childhood, I was always into the arts. Um, Just never really had the opportunity to fully get into like drama or musicals or things. I was a very shy kid anyway, Um, but it was always there. So. Anyway, I saw this group and they were, um, they do interviews to join the group for the following year after. So I did the interview, fundraised money to join because it's quite an expensive program. And then uh, spent the full year from July 99 to June 2000 traveling with them um, all across the Southern US, Europe, and BC and Washington state. That's where I met Jackie. And so tell me more about Up
0: With People in the sense of, so obviously it allowed you to free your artistic sort of um, skills and interests, mm. but help me understand better, like how did it, yeah. how did it transform you into a guy that sits down and all of a sudden you create this
1: music, right. <laughs>
0: connect those dots. Yes,
1: by? sorry, yeah, up, so Up With People, uh, the group traveled around from city to city for the, for a year, every three or four days we were in a new city. And in each place, we did a full-scale Broadway-style musical with a cast. Our cast was about 150 people from 19 countries. uh, And the show was about that, essentially, that all these people from different cultures and backgrounds can get along and put this incredible show together. Um, So I played in the band. I played keyboard in the band and sang a little bit in the show as well. And it just totally sparked... I just absolutely loved it. Um, And I think anyone that was in our cast that traveled with us would would tell you that the day that we all had to say goodbye after a year was pretty messy. (laughs) We were in the (laughs) Seattle Seattle airport and we were just a disaster of emotion, (laughs) which was hard at the time, but I kind of cherish that memory now. Um, So yeah, I did that, came back home and had to figure out Okay, now what am I going to do? So I did some graphic design work for a while, and then realized I need to need to get into the arts. Um, a lot of people in the arts will tell you, that <laughs> I've heard this a lot: if you if you can do anything else, do it. But if if music or theater is what you absolutely have to do, then go for it. Just because it's a hard hard industry to you know, it's not easy to succeed in. No. Um, yeah, but I knew like I had to, it was, if there's something about it, that's just nourishing like food or air or something I know that sounds cheesy, but, but it's true. Um, so then I went on, went on and did my music degree at Mount Allison university in, uh, Sackville, New Brunswick, it's a small university, but an awesome place. I loved it. Uh, and I studied piano there. And then decided that I was going to be a music teacher. Uh, so I did education. And then got into theater. I always say I got into theater sort of backwards. I started by playing piano in pit bands. Then started music directing shows. Then started directing shows when I was a teacher. And then started acting <laughs> as, <laughs> at, the, as, at the end of all that. Um, so yeah. And then I moved to St. John's. I was in Sussex, New Brunswick teaching there and then moved to St. John's um, in uh, 2009 and was just blown away by the sheer amount of arts here. Theater scene, music scene, visual arts is just explosive for such a small city. It's unbelievable. There's at least two to three to four productions happening every month they all sell well for the most part and it's pretty wild. Yeah. I want to I want to explore that in a
0: moment but before we do I want to just go back to something how does a shy kid suddenly find <laughs> themselves joining 150 people from 19 countries yeah <laughs> and moving every 3 to 4 days to be with different families and groups
1: how did you deal yeah. with that? It was yeah um There's so many elements to the Up With People experience. I think Jackie would agree that after we were finished, people would say, oh, how was your trip? And you don't even know how to explain it. It's not a trip, it was, it was a completely life-changing experience. Um, I honestly think of my life in two sections. One is before Up With People, One's after. It was so wonderful. And um, yeah, as a shy kid, I was like painfully shy and had, you know, was bullied in school, um, very just withdrawn and yeah. So um, for me, the up with people experience was life-changing in in the, I don't know, the self-development or enhancing my self-esteem and yeah, being forced, well not forced, but (laughs) living with a new host family of strangers in their house, in, you know, southern Germany somewhere, where they hardly spoke English even sometimes. Mm. Uh, and living with all these people. And so we had roommates from our cast. So in every city I'd be, for example, maybe me and Jackie and our friend Jessica might be all hosted in one family. Um, so you, you're living with these people. So yeah, it. I went from being very introverted and shy at the start of that year to being so much more confident and uh, relaxed I guess by the end. How did, so how did it was know, wonderful.
0: This sounds amazing. And yeah. I'm wondering how did how did your family react mm-hmm. when you came back to this person who was with a lot more confidence and 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 you know yeah. getting that
1: shyness, so to speak. <laughs> Yeah I think they were happy for me they could see the difference for sure um and they saw it throughout the year as i called home and you know Mm -hmm. we didn't have facetime and stuff but we were old school we had these things called uh pocket mail these little tiny laptops that you type your email save them and then you find a payphone punch (laughs) the number and put put it up to the payphone (laughs) it was early technology so that's how we communicated but yeah it was pretty life-changing experience for me. Um, And I think it's what gave me the, I think before up with people, I thought, well, I like playing piano and I'm artistic, but I don't, you know, I'm not, it's the imposter syndrome again. It's like, Mm -hmm. who am I to, I can't go down. I'm not good enough to do that. And afterwards I I decided to pursue music um, fully after that. I can't help but wonder how much influence
0: your experience with Up uh, With People impacted the courage you had to put out your your musical. Um, yeah. And take that risk.
1: Yeah, um, the, um, so when I filled out the form for this interview, they'd asked for a title for, for this, this t- talk or this interview. So I called it Die Vampire Die, which sounds crazy, unless you know the context. Um, so before I wrote Impresario, um, in um, I think late 2010, uh, I had just in my personal life, I had a rough patch. I was going through divorce and uh, looking for work and you know, it was just, I call it the dark times. Mm -hmm. Um, But I decided during that time that I wanted to do something or take on a project to get my mind off all of that stuff. So I started, uh, I decided to do this show. um, It's a, a Broadway title called the name of it is title of show. That's the that's what it's called. <laughs> and it's like a a meta musical. So it's a the tagline is it's a musical about two guys writing a musical about two guys writing a musical. So the show you're watching is the show they're creating and you're watching yeah. them create it. <laughs> it's that's like cool. Inception for Broadway. <laughs> um so but so it's a fantastic show, but another thing that appealed to me was that it's purposely very minimal. It's four chairs and a keyboard. Uh, they even sing about that, so you can't have a big fancy set with, you know, costume changes and stuff like that. Um, so financially, it was easy to do. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I just decided to, to, to do it as a project. Um, auditioned. I got the four actors, and I played the piano. Um, and just came up with a company name really just for the poster because I didn't think it would go anywhere. (laughs) So we called the company Best Kind Productions. So in Newfoundland, or in St. John's mostly, I think, uh, the phrase best kind is one of those Newfoundland colloquialisms that you've all heard probably like, how's she getting on by and yes by and all that stuff. (laughs) Um, So best kind basically means really good or something. So if I said, how was your weekend? You might say, oh, it was best kind, sure. (laughs) <laughs> and you got to do—you have to do the Newfie, um the Newfoundland wink. So it's like this. That's kind of sure.
0: <laughs> I love that.
1: I love that. All my friends here make fun of me though, because I'm not from Newfoundland, so I just sound like some kind of leprechaun or something when I do.
0: <laughs> so they tease you about your accent? Uh,
1: I do get a l- not so much now, but at first I got a lot of people, just like cashiers or cabbies, would be like where are you from? You're not from here, are you? <laughs> just cause, just cause I didn't have the accent at all. Yeah. I guess I still don't really, but
0: tell, tell me about the importance of the culture of, of St. John's and Newfoundland in general, on um, and how that's impacted you as, as a, as an artist and yeah. an individual.
1: It's, it's really wonderful. I, um, I, I feel like more at home here than anywhere really, uh, it's such a rich history of of um, their artistic culture here. Uh, musically, like the, for example, the the culture of choral singing is incredible here, but there's so many choirs that go all over the world and win awards and things. Theater is just crazy busy here. Um, and yeah, it's, there's something about the culture it's sort of that, um, I mean, if you've heard of Come From Away, that that story about the kindness of Newfoundlanders is pretty true, I think. There's um, just something, I don't know if it's the, the horrible weather we have or, mm-hmm. or um, some of the history, everyone's just very much has this, we're all in this together, helping each other out um, mentality, which was very evident <laughs> this year so far. We had a giant snowstorm called Snowmageddon last month which just shut the city down for a week. It was a state of emergency and then now we get to relive all that with this uh, (laughs) COVID-19 stuff so but everyone has been really uh, yeah it's a very very unique culture and very um, inspiring really.
0: When you um when you first, how did you, how did you end up choosing to be in Newfoundland though? Like how, Um, how
1: well, actually, I don't know if you want to include this in the interview, but uh, my ex, so my daughter's um, mom is from St. John, or from Newfoundland originally. Mm -hmm. So when we were both, we just, we had our daughter and decided she really wanted to be back on the rock. And I kind of wanted to be in a bigger center than where I was. So we just, really took a leap of faith and just just moved here with nothing set up um and luckily for that first year we both (laughs) got jobs and stuff so yeah
0: so once again you uh take this big risk Mm -hmm. um and figured out how to make it work yeah seems to be a theme
1: yeah so going back to title of show actually um there's a song, and I didn't even explain the vampire thing yet. Oh, <laughs> right, a, yes. yes. <laughs> I just realized that. So there's a thing. There's a song in that show. If your viewers want to YouTube it, just type title of show "Die Vampire Die," and it's basically. I mean, this whole show is very quirky and weird and and funny, a little irreverent too. There's some some language, but "Die Vampire Die" is basically this ode to creativity. And it's sort of like an anthem to artists of any sort saying, you know, a vampire, it explains vampires are the people that tell you you can't do something, people that tell you, you know, everyone else before you did it better, um, people that tell you to censor your work or to, you can't say this, or you can't say that. And then um, the most powerful moment of the song is this little monologue in the middle that's uh, talks about the vampire of despair, which is your own voice, your, the, the voice in your head that tells you who are you, who do you think you are, you can't do this, um, no one's going to enjoy it, no one's going to like it, and telling you the, my favorite line is, she says, um, why is it that if some idiot on the subway platform came up to you and said these things, you would think he was a total asshole, you can beep that if you want. But if it's the voice inside your head that tells you, it's the voice of reason, which is so powerful. You know, if someone else tells you, you're, you're kind of like, Sh- shut up, who are you to say that? But if it's your own voice in your head, you believe it, which is crazy. Um, what do you think that is? Why do we believe it? I don't know. It's, uh, I think we, I think we'd need a psychologist to help us with that. But it's just that negative self-talk, I think, that a lot of people struggle to overcome and which I, you know, thinking back to when I was having rough times in school and all of that, you needed to overcome it. Um, so really that song sparked the courage in me to just create this theater company and and later to create um, Impresario and all these other musicals we've been working on. Um, it was a powerful lesson really to, um, I'm trying to think, like, how this could apply to, you know, people in other industries. I think it's just um, trusting yourself and trusting that you are trained to do this. This is what you're, this is what you're here to do. Uh, And just because it might not be perfect immediately doesn't mean that you're not good enough or you shouldn't do it. Because everyone... Any, any artist in any field started somewhere. Um,
0: it seems so, yeah. to me like you made a decision that you were going to just stop listening to that, that vampire voice. Very much so, a yeah. Choice. You're not going to listen to it anymore. And I'm going to do.
1: Yeah. I think part of it also was that feeling of, um, again, I was having, it, in my personal life, it was a rough time. Almost like, and I obviously know People have had way worse than I did at this point, but uh, to me, it felt like rock bottom at that time. Other than my health, which I luckily had, I felt like you know it was like a sad country song, like Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, lost my wife, lost my job, the dogs running away. (laughs) Well, my my parents (laughs) called me that same week, and they were like, "We really hate to tell you this now, but." the dog that I grew up with passed away. No. <laughs> so I was like, well, this, I actually laughed out loud when they told me because I was like, this can't get any worse. <laughs> but, um, and I, I look back on it now and, you know, I, I don't want to downplay it, but you know, You're I right. overcame it. But, mm. um, but something, about, something about that made me realize like, I, why am I holding myself back? you know mm-hmm. with this negative talk just do it you know you don't have you know there's really nothing to lose so um yeah do vampires completely die or do they come back every now and then oh they definitely come back Yeah, i think you got to figure out your your attack
0: <laughs> they right. uh,
1: um yeah i mean i wrote a couple of years ago or, we do a an outdoor children's musical here, at, in a park, with this beautiful amphitheater every summer. We're going into our eighth summer, um, and so two years ago, I decided to try to write the kids' musical. Uh, so I did. It's called "How Do You Get to Jellybean Row?" Jellybean Row is is what we call the the, the colorful houses downtown that you've probably seen in all the tourist ads. Uh, there's no actual street called Jellybean Row. It's just the name of the whole um, colorful area, mm-hmm. but every every year I always would hear tourists, you know, getting off cruise ships and stuff, asking people, so how do you get to Jelly Bean Row? <laughs> it's like, well, it's not really a place, you're here, it's it's all around us. Um, so for that show, it actually, the germ of that show started with that phrase. I was like, that would be a great song title or a great show title. So anyway, I just decided to try to write a kid's musical. And then of course those vampires came back. I was like, so last year we did Alice in Wonderland and then we did, um, you know, the Pirates of Penzance. So who am I, why am I, why do I think I can do this? And then, but luckily because of that sort of mantra, I just, you know, you can say to yourself, oh, here we go. That's the same voice I heard when we did this and this and this and this. And all of those things turned out great. So, you know, so, ignore it.
0: <laughs> so you've you learned to recognize the voice, the vampire. You've developed an approach to deal with it. It's, okay, I'm not listening to that, and then I'm gonna take action. Yeah. So you've, you've built up a way to kind of, to deal with it. And which, yeah. you know, everybody, to some degree, unless you're a sociopath, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> you never has to, you know, sociopaths never really have to worry about that. Sure, of- yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's true. It's, I think everyone feels that. I think, you know, it, when you start a new job, part of you is questioning whether you're gonna be good at this. You start yeah. a new relationship, even. Part of you might be thinking about mistakes you made in the past, or, you know, should I trust this person? Or, you know, when you become a parent, <laughs> suddenly you have this yeah. child in your arms, you're like, oh my God. No what <laughs> I have to keep this thing alive, you know.
0: <laughs> Let's not screw this up.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, i There's one. Uh, there's so many areas that we could explore. I'm gonna. The mm-hmm. last area I wanted to explore before we before we sign off, Kyle, is yeah. is your creative process. Like, how do you how do you get started, and then more importantly, how do you keep
1: it going, and yeah. then how do you finish it? <laughs> That's a good question, and I don't know if there's a singular answer really. Um, i found, I mean the first show the impresario show was, um, I won't even use that as an example because the first year, even, I was not sure if I was even going to do it. And, you know, I might tinker away at it for an hour every two weeks or something. But now when I approach something, um, usually it just starts with an idea. Um, My friend Daniel Lasby and I are writing, and this sounds ridiculous, but we're writing a professional wrestling musical coming up. Yep. Wow.
0: (laughs) There is a market for that.
1: Yeah, well, we figured, you know, we were both big fans when we were kids, kind of still are, but we (laughs) um, realized it's very much, it's theater really. It's characters, costumes, storylines, choreography, spectacular sets you know. Um, so we thought it'd be a cool world to merge those two and it's so over the top and ridiculous that mm-hmm. it kind of it would work as a musical comedy. Um, so that was just the initial spark which almost started as a joke. We you know we were just like I, we were both in a show at that time backstage. I remember us talking about it and being like it'd be hilarious to 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 create a wrestling musical. And then we just kept talking about it until it eventually became, I think we should really do this. And then just sort of texted ideas to each other about crazy characters that could be in it, what time period it could be set in. And then out of those ideas came some song ideas. So for example, we decided that the main character was gonna be this, good guy or baby face, it's called in wrestling, like your Hulk Hogan, for example, who's been the big star for his whole career, 25 years or something. And he is getting a little bored with it. And he's decided that he really wants to be a heel, a bad guy. And he's trying to convince the promoter to let him turn. Uh, So his whole goal in the show is to become a bad guy and for everyone to absolutely hate him. (laughs) So we're taking the traditional musical theater thing where you have the, the big, I want song, which tells the audience what you want. And usually it's, I want this person to love me or I want to succeed And you know, so we sort of flipped that on its head and his whole goal is for them to absolutely loathe him. Uh, <laughs> and that just sparks a few song lyrics. And then, so yeah, we have this big song, it's called Hate Me, uh, where basically it's at comes at the end of the show when they finally do hate him <laughs> and it's this big power ballad where he's so happy that everyone's chanting you suck at him. <laughs> so yeah it, it's very I guess it's organic the it all sort of it comes in seeds. A lot of artists say that it's like a, the seed of an idea or a germ which is very true like it, it just starts with this idea and then that sprouts into something else and Eventually you, start, eventually you start seeing like a shape of what this whole show could be about or what it's gonna look like. Or, you know, for Impresario, we decided there were so many characters that we needed. We decided to not make it a huge cast, but rather to have about 12 actors and every actor played about 10 different roles. So they just switched in and out. They put a hat on and be this, this character take it yeah. off, put a necklace on and be a mom, you know? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm rambling a bit here, but. Um. Well, actually, when it, <laughs> there's
0: so many, I actually want to draw attention to a, a number of things that you've really highlighted. Mm-hmm. It, it started with like, with fun. Like it was, it was an it was a fun idea. It was something, the second yeah. was that it's something you're interested in. Like it's, it's yeah. a topic of, and then it involved this exploration mm-hmm. that, that led to, the ideas and the songs, and then as you realized that as these pieces that you were exploring, and the fun that was tied to it, it became a story that yeah. you could that you could form. So it was definitely, but it, it seemed to start with it's something you were genuinely interested in. Yes, that was fun for you.
1: Yeah, I think that's I think that's what all of them are really. You, you have to be in, like for I mean, we're doing this at this point we're doing this on our own time. Like we're not, we haven't gotten grants or anything. We might look into that, but, um, we're not making a fortune off this regardless. So it has to be something that you're absolutely like passionate about and, you know, invested in. How how do you know when it's, you're on a spot that you're
0: allowing it to be released to others, so to speak? Mm. Um,
1: you, our process, I say our, because, um, Best Kind Productions, our group, um, there's four of us that sort of run it. My friend, Tim Mattson, uh, and his wife, Kirsten Noel, and then my friend, Daniel, Daniel Lasby. Um, so we've all, they've all written shows as well. Tim and Kirsten have just finished, um, another sports related one called Hurry Hard, the Curling Musical, (laughs) which is fantastic. Um, so all of them, yeah, all of them have been, uh, We've kind of adopted, I guess, the approach that, uh, that any Broadway show would undergo, except with like, you know, 10 million less dollars. <laughs> um, so we start with a reading, or we start with just reading among our group. We'll get together in a living room and read through it and just get feedback and um, tinker away at it. And eventually we'll decide, okay, this is ready to put it in front of some people. Uh, often that reading, that first reading, we'll get, we'll pick a few people in the audience uh, to email us back with uh, some ideas or thoughts, uh, what they think worked, what might have not worked, but putting it in front of an audience is invaluable. You get immediate feedback. Uh, if it's a comedy, you, you see what jokes hit and what don't. Um, yeah, it's an, you suddenly see it through the eyes of, of other people, which is hard to do when it when it's just you or, or a few of you. Um, yeah, so then we do our workshop production which is like I said in between. It's on its feet but still minimal. Um, so yeah, so then by the time we do the full production we're pretty confident that you know it's, it's going to be successful because we've seen the reactions as we've built it.
0: And yeah, so. It seems that you get to a spot where you're comfortable enough to test it in a small way and then you yeah. just keep iterating on your tests. Yeah. From that. Yeah,
1: I think it's similar to. I don't know anything about software creation, but I would imagine it's kind of a similar scenario. Yeah. You know, you're creating. It starts with an idea, and then you gradually build onto it. You're testing it out. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, the One of the
0: things that's fascinating to me when you were talking is that. Impresario was just for you at the start. <laughs> yeah. Now it seems to me that when you're starting something, it's definitely going to an audience. This is for someone else.
1: Yeah, for the most part. Yeah. Once, yeah, once this, once the seed starts growing, you're kind of imagining, yeah, this is going to hopefully go be seen.
0: <laughs> when you hit a roadblock and the ideas just aren't <clears throat> working, what do you do?
1: That happens a lot. Um, Sometimes, depending on your deadline, if you have a deadline, sometimes just going away from it is the best thing you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, you might have, I might have multiple projects on the go at the same time, so I'll just put that aside, start working on something else. Um, I do, I'll like, for example, because I happen to be a graphic designer too, I'll just put the songs away and then I'll just start playing with a logo for the show, <laughs> even though mm. it might never get used. It's just something to keep the juices flowing, but in a totally different way, I guess. Um, but yeah, other than that, I think just taking time away from it or researching. Um, I might research, uh, for example, uh, for the kids show, I might stop with the writing for a while and just watch clips of other children's productions and what sort of tone they set or things like that. Something that might re-spark the creativity.
0: You know, it's, it would, it just, uh, just on that note, you're reminding me of the, you know, you kept the creative juices flowing by doing something different that was creative. And it allowed your mind not only to just rest, but to think about the problem in a different way yeah that, and solutions start to reveal themselves
1: yeah i've I've learned to trust the process, all these cliches that you always hear your mm-hmm. whole life, and you don't really register what they really mean until until you do Trust the process is so true you just you can't get upset, you just have to trust that it's going to happen sometimes letting your mind rest, it's still working in there, mm-hmm. you know what I mean like yeah. You're, you'll, I'll be going, go go for a walk, sorry, go for a walk down the block and some idea will just hit me and I'll be like, why didn't I think of that? Perfect. Yeah, the brain is a magical thing.
0: (laughs) truly is and you certainly have worked on dealing with the the roadblocks and the barriers that we build for ourselves. So die, vampire, die. Yeah. And I have to say, it is the best kind interview. So, uh, Kyle, <laughs> I really appreciate uh, you joining us, and uh, wish you all the best with future productions.
1: Thank you so and much. Other
0: opportunities. Thank you so Thank much, Kyle. Have a great a day. Thanks a
1: lot. You too.